At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Through this three-week series, we're turning to the biblical book of Isaiah to discover how God's holiness, forgiveness, and love compel us to share Him with others. We'll come face-to-face with whatever's keeping us from answering God's call as Isaiah did. Send me. Amen, guys. How do you feel about that worship right there? Worshiping our God. Man. And I just want to say it real quick before I jump into the message. Moms, mentors, spiritual mentors, grandmas, you're pretty awesome. (laughs) Yes. You're pretty awesome. So this is what I want us to do. I want us to lift our hand, okay? And pat ourselves on the back, okay? <laughs> and then if you do like back massages, husbands, probably pay for one because you're probably not good at back massages. And I endorse the Vargas Institute of Back Massages. <laughs> I'm sorry, do I get any you know, reward for that? That's free marketing. You're not supposed to do that from stage. Okay, but seriously, moms, love you, thankful for you. I love my mom. I do not know what I would have done without her. She was the one who came room to room each night. I would hear her go to my sister's room, then my other sister's room, then my other sister's room. (laughs) I got three of them. And then she would come in my room and she would pray individually with each one of them. And I think about those moments and those were some of the first times I asked questions. Like I really asked questions and the person sitting across or or standing across from me was my mom. And so I think about that and I am eternally grateful for God using her. So I just want to pray before we jump in the message and pray for our mothers again and honor them. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to have mothers or grandmas or aunts or spiritual mentors to be there in our life. God, some of us, we had phenomenal earthly mothers, and and we're so thankful for them. Some of us, we didn't necessarily have the best earthly mothers, but you brought people into our life. You brought our churches together. You brought aunts and grandmas to stand in the gap, and so for those people who spoke into our lives, thank you. Thank you, Father. You say every good thing comes from above, so we know that that is good, and that is from you. We love you, Father, and we pray this all in your name. Amen. All right. What would compel a person with a growing platform and influence, even fame, to give it all up? Think about that question with me. And to give it up not just for less fame, but privacy and even a career or a volunteer role that was very difficult. Leaving the the comforts of this world to do something that, it takes a grind, it takes some grit. What would compel a person to leave that? There was this lady, her name was Lilius Trotter. And Lilius Trotter was on her way to becoming the most known artist in Europe. 
I mean, she was raised in a very prominent home. She had one of the premier critics and trainers of artists <laughs> to work with her personally. She was on her way to be a household name in Europe. And then her family started to notice something. They started to notice that her abilities as an artist had started to um, dissipate. They noticed that her work was, was less of a priority, her mentor, her family, and, and they realized quickly it was because she had been serving in a local ministry. She had saw the need of women, impoverished women, abused women, and she wanted to make a difference. So it had one of those sit down, let's get real moments with her mentor. And he sat her down. He said, listen, I am not joking when I say you have everything it takes to be the best. For, for your art to go down in history and be known and seen and toured, you have that ability only if you give everything to your craft. Only if you, you take away serving your local church and you focus solely on this. And so here she was. She was in quite the conundrum. She was in a moment where she had a decision to make. Here's a lady who grew up in a home and she was learning Latin and German and Italian. She had all this in her grasp, so much wealth, so much privilege, and she had a choice to give it all up for hard, impoverished ministry or to stay in the spotlight and to gain fame and again, just be known and seen and continued wealth. What would compel her to turn away from this? What would compel her to go into a lifestyle that was going to be so difficult? You know, we're finishing this series, Send Me, when God calls us to go. And we've been talking about this, this prophet by the name of Isaiah. And we've been looking through this vision of, of what and he witnessed in the presence of God, right? He witnessed the holiness, the majesty, the glory of God. And, and we've been talking about that for the last couple weeks. And, and there's one component in this picture that will compel us more to go. And so I want to talk about that this morning, and it's the opponent or the, the component of authority and the calling of God. Because here he witnessed the glory of God, the majesty of God, but then it compelled him to go. And so we get to talk through this and see the motivation behind what compelled him to go within God's calling. And so I want to say it from the very beginning, the main point, the big idea of this message is God's calling compels us to go. God's calling on our life compels us to go. And if God's calling compels us to go, 
then how can we receive that calling? So many people, what, what's my calling? What am I supposed to do? And so we get to talk through that this morning. We get to talk about how we receive that, how we learn that calling. And the very first thing we need to know is it's all about listening. Listening to God's calling. In our society, in our homes, listening is a lost art. Mothers, sometimes you just want your man to listen, right? Like, nah, I don't want answers. I want you to be quiet and listen, okay? And we're like, well, actually, this is the, no, no, uh-uh, 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 listen, <laughs> right? Can I get an Amen. I heard men saying amen. Okay. <laughs> Not going to ask. Okay. So, so here's the deal. The first thing we do to learn God's calling is to listen. Listen to this. Isaiah 6, 8. And you can turn into there. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then he said, Here I am. Send me. He was listening to what God was saying. Sometimes we don't know the call of God because we ain't listening. Oh, what's God going to do? What's he going to call me to? Sometimes we need to stop and we need to listen. Listen to counsel, pastors, mentors, friends, spouses. Listen through, through the word of God, through sermons, whatever. Sometimes we know it. Maybe God will audibly talk to you, but we got to listen. So I want to give a little background to this real quick. Real brief recap of Isaiah chapter 6. And remember, this is a critical year. Uh, king Uzziah has died, so the kingdom of Judah is not stable. It's, it's not in a good place. When kings died, it meant you were vulnerable. And so if you're the next king coming up, you got to kind of flex a little, show that you're somebody, show that you're not vulnerable, that you can stand up for yourself. And so here's Isaiah, and he's in the, in the year speaking, having this vision when, when the kingdom is almost in the state of being threatened and vulnerable. And so he goes again to the Lord and he sees God and he's unlike any other. He stands above all. He's unique from all things. He is pure and, and excellent and, and his worth and value and all this stuff, right? He's seen God. And, and I was trying to write down different characteristics, different things. I can't fill the page with enough, enough characteristics of our God. He was amazing. And so here he is, and, and he's blown away by God, so much so that he's undone and he falls to his knees. I think if I'm in that moment, I'm going to be like in like a ball and then sucking my thumb because I'm in the presence of God, right? I shouldn't go up there and be like, good, you showed yourself finally. I'm going to be like, oh man, like I don't deserve this at all. And now you're allowing me to be in your presence. And so here he is, undone, because he doesn't feel worthy. Who here would feel worthy in the presence of God? 
Maybe you're more spiritual than me, but, but even with grace and forgiveness, that's my Lord. That's my Savior. He died for me. And so here's Isaiah, and he's, he's unworthy. Specifically, he says, my, my mouth, I'm impure with my words, my lips, and, and the culture, the, the people of Judah, their lips as well. And, and I think about that. Our words get us in trouble. <laughs> The words of our mouth are the quickest and most frequent corrupting reality of our lives. Even James 3.8 says, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And I know sometimes I put my foot in my mouth, right? And you almost want to grab your words, bring them back. You can't. Sometimes we struggle with that. We, we don't think through that. And so here's Isaiah. He doesn't feel worthy. And so here comes an angelic being and he takes coal from the altar of sacrifice and he touches it to Isaiah's lips and they were cleansed. Isaiah's guilt was taken away and his sins in that moment in Isaiah 6, 7 were atoned for. That's a symbol of, hey, I'm covering your sin. I'm taking it away. And this is again revealing God's holiness. It's again revealing the man, Isaiah's corruption, and God removing the uncleanliness through the altar of sacrifice, but with specific purpose. He did this for a reason. And the section of the book of Isaiah is known as Isaiah's call and it would be, be perhaps chapter one of Isaiah's story as a prophet. But regardless, here we have that this man has the immediate effect of atonement and reconciliation. So here in this moment, here I am, send me all that stuff's coming up. But, but he touches his lips and, and he's atoned for, he's forgiven. And those are big words, you know, atoned and, and reconciliation, atonement. And so I want to make this very, very simple for us. Atonement is the, the old English word for atonement originally meant at one with or being in harmony with. And then reconciliation is all about restoration. So what it's saying here is that we have this new harmony and restoration with God. Why? Because what Jesus did on the cross. We are atoned for because of Jesus, because his death, his burial, his resurrection. And because of that, we have reconciliation. Now we have harmony with God. And so here we have Isaiah, and, and he's been shown grace, right? And now it's like, okay, this all happened. Is God just looking for a, a warm body individual to go and, and, and tell uh, that he is God and, and to share a specific message. You know, again, does, does God need Isaiah? Is he desperate for a person? No, we know that, that God, he doesn't need Isaiah. God is self-sufficient. He's eternal. He has no lack or need. God's call on Isaiah and on us is not because of need of our help. That's important to remember. But the question is very pointed. I believe it was tended to cause Isaiah to reflect on what God has already done for him. What he's actually done 
for this man. And now he's going to use him in big ways. He has a very specific task to go proclaim his word to rebellious Judah and to pronounce judgment on them. And the call upon Isaiah is to be an ambassador, a representative, a proclaimer of God to this people. What if God had the same call for us? How could we refuse? And so in this moment, he says, here I am. Send me. I'm here, God. In hearing God's call, Isaiah responded. Are we listening to his call in our own lives? Isaiah's call is not unique to him. We see many times in scripture a call from God, right? In different ways. It's Mother's Day. Let's talk about Mary, right? You got an angel appears to Mary and says, hey, behold, you're going to have a baby, son of God. Her response I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. This faithful woman made herself available to the Lord and ready for the call he had on her life. She said, okay, let it be. I'm a servant of yours. Let it be according to your word. You know, I had a friend, very successful, extremely successful, over 20 years at a specific bank, and he ended up working his way up to become the vice president of this bank. I mean, we're talking about multi-billion dollar bank. And here he is, and, and we're talking, and, and he's just distraught. Man, my job, I struggle with it. I don't like it. And, and he's making buku money, Right? And then he goes and he tells me, I felt the call of God in my life over 10 years ago, and I've been fighting it every year. Every year, I said, I said okay, so this has been on your heart. It's been stirring. What, what kind of calling is it? He's like, I want to serve in ministry at a church. And I said, well, what's, what's holding you back? He said, well, you know, I have the financial side of it. You know, I know financially it'll be an adjustment. I can't do that. I can't handle that change. And I know time-wise, even though my job is very demanding, I know ministry is a 24-7 thing. I don't know if I want to be available all the time. I want to minister to people, but I wonder if I'm going to struggle with that balance. And then the last thing is, I don't know if anyone would want me. You know, I have these feelings, but I don't know if anyone would even uh, want me to be at their church. Over 10 Years, He said he was fighting. Every year, it wasn't even his wife like, hey, I need this, I need that. She's like, come on, just do it. She was the one encouraging him to jump into ministry. She was the one pushing him, saying, I know how miserable you are. You have all this, but your heart is empty. And so I bring up his story because more often than not, we don't want the things that we're called to do because we know it's hard, 
Man, that's going to take work. That's going to take sacrifice. That's going to take change. That's going to take finances. That's going to take me doing things that I'm not comfortable doing. It's like, okay, God, you can call me to this unless it meets my box and my requirements. That's not how it works. I'm sorry. Usually what God calls you to is one of the hardest things in your life that you'll ever experience. And so here, I had that friend who was battling because he had the worth and the value of things of this planet that was holding him hostage to things of God. I want to tell you guys today, he's in ministry. (laughs) He's serving the Lord. Yep. (laughs) It took a couple words from men of God and the word of God And I can tell you, he took six times less single income. And guess what? It works. He said, for some reason, the numbers just work out. Just can't put it in words. So guys, I'm here to tell you that when God calls, we got to listen. Maybe God's not speaking in our life, not because he's not speaking in our life, but because we ain't listening. I love this quote by uh, Charles Spurgeon. I think this is important because, you know, we're called to go, right? To, To step out, in this case, to go with a message, to go with something in particular. We have the gospel, so we're called to be sent out to go with the gospel. Charles Spurgeon famously said, If Jesus is precious to you, you'll not be able to keep your good news to yourself. You'll be whispering it into your child's ear. You'll be telling it to your husband. You'll be earnestly imparting it to your friend. Without the charms of eloquence, you'll be more than eloquent. Your heart will speak and your eyes will flash as you talk of his sweet love. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. You either try to spread abroad the kingdom of Christ or else you do not love him at all. It cannot be that there is a high appreciation of Jesus and a totally silent tongue about him. When I read that, I thought, you're either, you're either that person that is an ambassador, a missionary, or an imposter. The question is, not if you're called, the question is, are you listening to the call that God has on your life? Are you responding like Isaiah did? Yes, here I am. Send me. You know, and I think that listening to the call of God, we all think, okay, it's going to be this emotional experience, and I'm going to be like so moved by it. I'm not saying that it won't be, but it's not always going to be this mystical emotional experience. Sometimes it's turned into Matthew 28, verse 18 and 20, and seeing what God already said. And sometimes it is simply going to someone and saying, hey, you know me, you know my gifts. What could you see God doing in my life? And just starting the question. And so I believe that that God is probably calling people in this room to something bigger than you could ever imagine. You know, my mom, she'll talk, she'll run into people back home in Chelsea, Michigan. Oh, what, what's Winston up to? He's in ministry now. Oh, the bad ones always go in ministry, right? <laughs> That's what they'll say. Oh, man, I, I knew it. I knew that he had something up his sleeve, right? And so it, people laugh because they're like, man, you know, I, I would have never thought that. <laughs> I would have never thought it either. 
I would have never thought it either. But some of us, we might have never thought it either. We might have never thought what God could do in our life. We might have missionaries in this room. We might have pastors in this room. We might have directors in this room. We might have people that should be running nonprofits, starting nonprofits. But we never thought it. We've never asked those questions of God. Listen and be ready. So, okay, if the authority of God requires us to listen to God's call in our lives, but it also means that we need to take steps of obedience. So listening is one thing. And then we read here in, in the first part of verse 9, Isaiah chapter 6, it says, go to the world, right? <laughs> go. <laughs> go. Action. Go. And he said, Go. You know, I, I think about that, that so many people struggle with that. God didn't say, okay, let me tell you all the ways you're going to, this is the how, this is this. He just said, go. And we know because scripture is important to use all scripture, right? To understand scripture, let it interpret itself. In our case, it is go to the nations. So God's word here is simple yet powerful. Go. And that message, it, it doesn't need to change. It needs to be clearly what it is here in the word. Go with the good news that Jesus died for the sins of mankind. But he didn't stay rotting in the grave. He rose up. On that third day, we just celebrated a couple weeks ago. He's alive. Our Christ is alive. The tomb's empty, right? And so we're not serving a God of the dead. We're serving a God of the living. And we carry that. We're ambassadors filled with the very spirit of God. Because he made a way. Right? Waymaker. <laughs> Waymaker for you and you and you. Sometimes we forget it's you and you. Not just me, because I'm preaching on a stage. Not just the people that are serving. You. He did that for you. Creating a way, covering our sins, and now we're called to carry, to carry that message. And, and according to Charles Spurgeon, either we're missionaries to the people we're around, or we're imposters. If we don't want to carry it, that's a big question. That's a big, a big red light in our life. And so Jesus gives us this great commission, and it, and it says this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all my ways, all the ways that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you even to the end of the age. We, we, all of us, not just me, not just someone who's on a, has a pay stub at Woodside or a church, we are called to go. The church collectively is called 
to go and be a light in this world for God's eternal purpose to show them they got value, they got worth, and they were worth the blood, they were worth the nails, and they were worth the cross. I love Malachi 1.11. It says, For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and every place incense will be offered to my name and pure offerings, for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Then we read in Revelation 5.9, By your blood you ransom people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you've made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. God's mission is a global mission to every people, every language, and he will accomplish it. But he calls us to go to the world. You know, I mentioned Lilius Trotter, and um, she was in this place where she had an opportunity for things of this world until she heard the call of God. She heard it, but she obeyed it. Some of us, we might hear it, but we're not acting on it. Russ Ramsey in the book, Remembrant of Wind talks about Trotter's upbringing. Lilius was born into wealth. Every year her family toured the continent of Europe. She grew up in a luxurious home, waking most mornings to a servant with a cup of tea. She never opened her own drapes. She had governesses in the home teaching her French and German. She was an amazing talent as a painter. And her leader, John Ruskin, he was there urging her to forget serving, forget helping the world. And there she was, working in hostels, helping prostitutes with no wealth in North Africa. And she left. She left it all in Europe, went to North Africa, and was there 40 years until her death. She listened to the call of God. Where is God calling you? You can't avoid it this morning. Where is he, is he calling you? Where might it be? We believe it's important for us to talk about global missions. And that's one thing I love about Woodside is so much support of global missions. I love how Pastor John Piper says it. Every Christian is called to go, send, or disobey. This is our call to global missions. Either we're called to go or we're called to send. And so some of us here, we might be called to go, but some of us, we're called to support and pray and financially support to send. Otherwise, there's a disobeying. And so I think about us, and I think about the American dream, and um, I think about some of us, we're more worried about collecting seashells in, our, in Florida or California than we are about sending. Some of us are more worried about a 401k than sending. Some of us are more worried about the things of the day than sending. 
All of us are called to send and help and support because the world needs the gospel. If we're not going or sending, then just to shoot it straight with you, we're, we're being disobedient because all of us have been called to go globally. That's not my word. That's not me. Don't throw stuff at me. That's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. That's his word, not mine. That either we're going or we're sending, but maybe we may not, might not go to the nations, but let's go to our jobs. Let's go to our homes. Let's go to our friends. And let's be missionaries there. Let's be missionaries in places that we walk through weekly or monthly. Some of us, we might be needing to start being a missionary today because we have a mother that doesn't believe or a father or a stepfather. When we gather and we have dinner, if that's something we're doing. But we are called to either go or send to the nations. I want to share another missionary story. And I wasn't sure if I was going to say this today, but, but I want to share it. And it's a story of a, of a missionary, and he heard um, that in the mountains of the jungle of Peru, that, that, he, that a group and a tribe of people were ready to receive the gospel. And so he took the trek up the mountain, and it was a couple hours, and he went to this tribal leader, and he was trying to share the gospel with them, and they had a translator. And so he's sharing this story where he's talking to this man, the tribal leader, just him and a translator, and, and they're standing there, and right behind him, a guy starts jumping for joy. Literally, a guy just starts jumping. Imagine you're having a conversation and someone behind you, behind you starts jumping and yelling and celebrating. Yes, yes, yes. And so they turn and, and they're confused. And so he goes to the translator, hey, can you ask what's going on? And, and the guy said, I've been having dreams of this, this, this God. I, I didn't know him. I never heard of him. I've been seeing the earth, seeing the creation, and I was wondering, well, who is this God? Who is he? But when I was walking by your conversation, I learned his name. And so I'm jumping for joy because it was the very first time I learned of my God's name. I think about that story. Some people have never heard the name. They've never heard the name of Jesus. We, we're spoiled. We hear it. We, we judge it. <laughs> but them, they jump for joy because the name of Jesus Lilius Trotter wrote, we ourselves are saved to save. We are made to give, to let everything go, if only we may have more to give. The pebble that takes in the ray of light that fall upon it, but the diamond flashes them out again. Every facet is means, not simply for drinking more in, but for giving more out. A flower that stops short of its flowering misses its purpose. Guys, God is calling us, compelling us to go. 
Will you respond like Isaiah saying, here I am, send me. Here I am, God, I'm ready for whatever you have for my life. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.